Nexus PMG welcomes you to the Bigger Than Us podcast, which we as energy geeks lovingly refer to as the BTU. Bigger Than Us is a podcast that focuses on ideas that will shape the future of our planet and ultimately our existence. We will occasionally lean into energy topics because after all, it's the key to our collective survival, but we'll also explore other ideas and topics that we believe will have an impact that is bigger than us. And now, on to today's show. Hello, and welcome to the Bigger Than Us podcast. I'm your host, Raj Daniels, and today I'd like to welcome Franz Hochstrasser to the show. Franz Hochstrasser is CEO and co-founder of Raise Green, and is also CEO and co-founder of New Haven Community Solar, which were both founded in 2018. He has been working at the intersection of policy, climate change, environmental, and social issues for more than a decade, prior to graduating from Yale School of the Environment with a focus on sustainable finance, clean energy, and business in 2018, Franz served eight years in the Obama administration. Franz served as senior advisor to the Special Envoy for Climate Change at the U.S. Department of State, working on the team that successfully negotiated the Paris Agreement. Prior to that, he was Deputy Associate Director at the White House Council on Environmental Quality, working on energy, environment, and climate policy, and public engagement, and a confidential assistant and legislative analyst at the U.S. Department of Agriculture, working on conservation, energy, food security, science policy, and open data. Franz, how are you doing today? Hi, Raj. Uh, Doing well. Doing very well. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Franz. Franz, where in the world are you located? Well, at the moment, I'm actually sitting in Sacramento, California, um, but my business is is located in Somerville, Massachusetts, uh, at Greentown Labs. And uh, I came out here uh, during the pandemic because uh, we we weren't working in the office anyway. So... Uh, I figured I'd, I'd come home for a little while. So how's the weather in Sacramento? It is very hot and sunny. Wow. Didn't expect that answer. I'm in Dallas, and I think we're topping out at 101 today. All right. Well, we might give you a run for your money. <laughs> and the interesting thing about Greentown Labs, so I just published an episode yesterday, episode number 79, where I interviewed uh, Juliana the new launch director for Greentown Labs in Houston. Oh, awesome. So, yeah, the expansion to Houston is is uh, big news and is, is great. It really is. I'm really excited about what you're doing. And she was mentioning some of the interesting companies. And she actually mentioned the physical location in, I think, Boston and regarding the airplane wing and some of the facilities you have up there. So hopefully when this pa- once this pandemic is over with, I can get the opportunity to go up there and take a look. Absolutely. Well, we would we would welcome your your visit, as I'm sure they would. Appreciate it. So, Franz, I'd like to open the show by asking my guests the following question. If you were asked to share something interesting about yourself, what would it be? Ah, well, it uh, d- depends on what people are interested in, I guess. But um, I so I, I'll say a little bit about what I was doing before I became a, a startup founder. And some people might find that interesting. Um, So I used to work in government, and I I worked on the 2008 Obama campaign back in Iowa 
uh, as a field organizer, which was one of my favorite jobs I've ever had. Um, and after uh, we won and, and President Obama and uh, Vice President Biden became president-elect and, and vice president-elect, uh, I moved to D.C. And basically, it was like being strapped to a rocket at that point because uh, I got sucked up into working for the administration and wound up uh, working for them for all eight years at the Department of Agriculture, uh, the White House Council on Environmental Quality, and finally at the U.S. State Department negotiating uh, international uh, uh, climate and energy bilateral and multilateral uh, deals, uh, including the Paris Agreement on Climate Change. So that's a bit of my background, and um, that's what I was doing before I went back to school and, and uh, started a climate tech company. So that really is interesting. A couple of things. Can you share what a field organizer does? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, field organizers are the sort of foot soldiers of a campaign. So they, uh, you make calls from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. every day, um, as many as you can, because the whole point in one sentence is to build a list of supporters and then turn them out on election day. Um, and so you use a lot of different means to do that, canvassing, volunteer recruitment, events uh, and rallies and, uh, and phone banking. Uh, but that is the, the central goal. And the second thing you mentioned being strapped onto a rocket and eventually that ride came to an end. How did it feel when it was over? Uh, wow. Um, very, uh, well, it ended on less than ideal terms. Um, I think with, uh, you know, a, a candidate coming into, into the office that, um, obviously, you know, was not aligned with, with what we were doing. Uh, so it was, it was a bit frustrating to, to go out like that. Uh, but we did accomplish a great deal in the, in the Obama administration. And I was very proud of all the hard work and, and uh, good achievements that, that came out of it. Um, and frankly, was very proud of the country um, having been able to contribute a small piece to a lot of the big strides that were made during those eight years. Well, I'm going to take a little bit of a left turn here. I think you just made the understatement of the year regarding a candidate not aligned. But I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to <laughs> move on from there and get to your current endeavor. Can you give a brief overview of Raise Green? Absolutely, yeah. Um, so Raise Green is a two-sided marketplace that brings together innovators and entrepreneurs who are seeking financing. Uh, with a wide range of investors. And whether it's someone wanting to put in $100 or as much as $100,000, uh, anyone can invest in a climate action project and receive a significant return if the project they're, they're backing is successful. And so we set out to use this mechanism of uh, equity crowdfunding to really democratize uh, private equity investment in clean energy and climate solutions, sort of like a, a local Green New Deal um, that's implemented now as opposed to waiting for legislation to pass. And can you give some examples of what climate action projects might be? Yeah, certainly. So uh, the, the clearest example is actually our, our 
two pilot projects. Um, so uh, while we were getting uh, going through the process of getting our FINRA and SEC licenses to operate um, and to sell securities, we uh, simultaneously took our own customer journey and developed uh, a small solar project in New Haven, Connecticut, under the company name New Haven Community Solar. And we sold uh, equity into that project to uh, what is now 126 investors that own two solar projects um, and uh, and then get paid back uh, over the course of time uh, from a power purchase agreement between that company and the nonprofit that buys the electricity, uh, Columbus House. Um, and then the investors um, get paid a dividend payment coming out of that. Um, so it's a, it's a sort of circular economy uh, financial business model that, uh, that shares in the ownership as well as the benefits of the clean energy transition. And what's the second project? Uh, second project is, is also a solar project. Um, so, and, and in that one, actually, we were able to uh, transact what we believe still is, is to be the smallest tax equity partnership flip uh, in, in the country. Uh, and uh, it's, on a, it's on an 11 kilowatt array. So if you know of a smaller one, we would, would welcome that information. But uh, those, those two solar projects in New Haven uh, provide uh, discounted electricity to uh, five affordable housing units um, that are occupied by formerly homeless or, or folks struggling with homelessness. And for those that might not be familiar, can you briefly explain what a tax equity flip is? Sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you can ever briefly explain that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, so the federal government um, has a program called the investment tax credit uh, that provides uh, what used to be a 30% tax credit on an investment in a, a clean energy project um, and is now stepped down to 26% this year. Uh, but a tax equity partnership is a, excuse me, it's a corporate structure that enables um, a, uh, an entity that may not have the capability of absorbing that tax credit uh, to enter a partnership with a, a tax equity investor that does have that capability. Um, and to realize a, uh, a more tax-efficient scenario um, through the partnership than would otherwise be possible. Thank you for that. I think you did a great job there. And you mentioned Raise Green being a crowdfunding platform. When you say that a Kickstarter comes to mind, is it similar to that? Um, somewhat, yeah. So we've often been called the Kickstarter of, uh, of clean energy. Uh, but one key distinction is that Kickstarter is donation-based crowdfunding. So when you contribute and back a project on Kickstarter, uh, you have no recourse over whether they send you the T-shirt or the water bottle or the product that they're, that they're working to develop. Um, but they may do that uh, if, if they're successful. Uh, equity crowdfunding is is a bit different because it's the actual sale of a security, so either debt or equity or some other type of uh, investment security. Um, and so, when you buy a share of 
um, or, or place an investment in uh, a raised green project, you actually um, you you get a subscription agreement and you um, you have a, a you are entitled legally to the uh, the profits um, or use or the the uh, the payback that comes from that investment. So I think equity crowdfunding in this particular space was released or originated back in 2015, 2016. Am I correct? Yeah. So it, it uh, so uh, it was finalized in 2012 with the Jobs Act, Jumpstart Our Businesses and Startups, uh, which was signed by President Obama in, in 2012. And then it took the Securities and Exchange Commission about uh, four years from there to finalize the uh, the final rule on regulation crowdfunding, which which was put out in 2016. So since 2016 to today, uh, the entire uh, securities exemption has has only done about 300 million. Um, but uh, but it is growing quickly, uh, particularly in this extremely unprecedented and catalytic time in history where uh, small businesses are are strapped for cash and are looking for ways to uh, to, to more uh, effectively access financing and where we see impact investment becoming, you know, the, the hottest trend in finance. Um, so we are sort of right at that nexus right now as Raise Green. So I remember it being a big deal. I think it was the fall of 2016. And then there were a few companies here in Texas that were doing some investing or they had projects in oil wells. And there was concerns about people that were unaccredited or even unsophisticated, you know, almost gambling. What are some of the challenges or issues that you've seen around that? Or how have you been able to address those issues? Yeah, it's a good question. So investor protection, uh, we take extremely seriously. And, and so does uh, FINRA and, and the regulator, the, the, the SEC. Um, and, and so there are a lot of very... Uh, very detailed rules around the type of uh, solicitation that's possible. Uh, one key one is that um, you know, we have to have a very robust education uh, section of our website. It's called education and FAQs. And uh, we, we want to ensure that anyone who's going to be placing an investment, whether they're putting in, uh, you know, a hundred dollars or a hundred thousand um, that they uh, understand the process clearly, and um, and that they they aren't investing anything that they they can't afford to lose, uh, because these these are uh, speculative uh, style investments, um, in the sense that um, many times these are uh, new companies, and uh, and they're relying on uh, uh, often unproven management to. Uh, to to make to make the projects work, and we take great care to select the projects that we list very carefully and do uh, significant due diligence. But uh, every investment comes with risk, and uh, that's just part and parcel to, uh, to to what it is. And one one point I'll make on that is that you know the approach we take is is um, to bring projects to the marketplace that are backed by a reliable revenue stream, um, something like a power purchase agreement for a solar project. Um, and, and that is a, is a different type of uh, investment opportunity 
than a highly speculative venture style company um, or, you know, an oil drilling, uh, an oil well. Um, and so it's, it's a different uh, proposition, but again, every project comes with risk. So, you know, you mentioned solar a few times. Have you seen any or has any project developers come to you with any projects that you've said not right now or perhaps later? <laughs> uh, yes, definitely. Uh, we, we, uh, we screen projects with what we call the raise model. Um, so we start with uh, revenue and, and we say, you know, is, it, is there a clear path to revenue? And, and we prefer to have that be through a contracted cash flow, like a car purchase agreement. Um, and then, then we look at uh, ambition. You know, can the team deliver on this? Um, is it impactful? And is, it, is that impact uh, socially uh, and environmentally demonstrable? Um, so we're really looking to create uh, verifiable impact investment opportunities for, for folks. And so we, we do occasionally hear from, from uh, companies that don't quite fit that, that mold. And uh, we have to respectfully decline to, to issue securities on their behalf. And what's the S and the E? Uh, social and environmental uh, benefit. Appreciate that. So switching gears a little bit, you know, the crux of our conversation is the why behind what you do. And you very kindly shared your experience, you know, during the previous administration, but then you came out of that and you went back to school. So what's your why? What drives you in this particular area? What's your passion? Yeah. Um, well, you know, uh, I, I did spend that, that nine years working for Barack Obama and, and driving for, you know, a more inclusive, uh, healthy and just economy and society. Uh, and, and this really is the manifestation of, what I felt like the next step was uh, coming out of that experience uh, because all through the process of working in the administration at a, you know, at the federal level, which was somewhat abstracted from day-to-day you know, -day, uh, business for folks. Um, I found that the, the key pain points in nearly every project we worked on were, were finance um, and uh, an agency. And so, you know, Raise Green uh, gives individuals the ability to, to take agency, whether they want to invest some amount of money, put their dollar to work, or they want to, you know, put themselves to work by creating their own green job. Um, they can, with the tools that we provide, they can take agency and take action um, and do that through activating uh, financing for uh, the, the types of investment opportunities and infrastructure assets that we really need to transition to a, a low-carbon future. And just to push a little further, so why do you think that that's even more important right now? Oh, well, uh, we are in a, a deeply unprecedented and, and catalytic time, I think. Uh, you know, the global pandemic is, is bearing down and uh, economic shocks and financial volatility is rampant. Uh, there's 40 million Americans unemployed and looking for, for work and local economic opportunity. And the streets are, are filled with uh, Black Lives Matter and folks righteously demanding racial and environmental justice. And uh, all of this, you know, is, is sort of 
forged in this crucible that that makes this year, frankly, uh, somewhat unbelievable, but really the defining year in what is the defining decade in the the effort to you know reduce greenhouse gas emissions and create uh, a more a more inclusive way of operating. You know, I have to agree with you regarding this year being unbelievable. I think a month or two ago, I read about a locust plague taking place in East Africa. And two days ago, there was reporting of a squirrel in Colorado with the bubonic plague. So Yikes. the confluence of all yeah, all these different events coming together, it, I mean, and, and we're only halfway through. So I think buckle in to your point regarding the ride. Let's see how the second half plays out. Yeah. You know, something I wanted to ask you about, you were on the team on the ground when the Paris Climate uh, Initiative was put together. How was that experience? Oh, that was that was an incredible experience. Uh, some of my, my fondest memories, but, but also some of my bleariest memories, uh, because I think there were about three days in a row where uh, very few people in the delegation got any sleep uh, as we went into some of those later uh, indabas, which were these these big meetings uh, trying to, to find what at the time we called landing zones uh, for, for different contentious issues. Uh, but yeah, lots of, lots of late nights and hard work, um, but also, you know, really, really amazing uh, people and diplomats from, from all over the world. And um, yeah, I, I could, could talk about that uh, all day. So well, I'm reading a book right now by Christina Figueres. Is that how you pronounce her name? Yeah, Christiana. Yeah, Christiana. Yes, I'm reading a book by her right now, and she talks about the there was a, a bomb threat at that time, and there was a question whether to continue with the climate change conversations or not. Were you there at that time? Uh, wow. Yeah, I don't. I don't actually remember there being a bomb threat uh, at, the, at Paris at COP21. Um, but I know that, uh, is, is this the future we choose the book that she and Tom Karnak wrote? That's correct. I'm about halfway through it. Great. Um, uh, nice. Yeah. Uh, she was, she was a very powerful, uh, secretariat, executive secretariat of the UNFCCC. And, uh, we got to, to meet with her repeatedly and she, she was instrumental really in, in breaking the, a number of the loggerheads around sticky issues. Um, and I, I don't know if I um, somehow blocked that out of my memory, but <laughs> uh, but that's that's an interesting uh, detail. Well, I appreciate you sharing your experience. So you're eight years with the administration, two years with your current organization with Raise Green. What are some of the big learnings you've had along the way? Um, you know, um, I running a company is much more work than I thought it would be. Uh, and it is, you know, 80% probity and uh, only 20% sort of, you know, flash and excitement. Um, so there, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes to make everything happen um, that that you never see on the shark tank, you know, or, or the sort of glamorized versions of what entrepreneurship is. Um, and, and that, uh, has been a, a real sobering lesson. Um, 
but but it is incredibly rewarding to to try to bring something new into the world um, and to to articulate a business plan that uh, really you know is not strictly for profit or nonprofit, but is what we call profit for all. Um, and I, I remain convicted that this is the, you know, this this is a way of uh, building a, a more uh, functional and inclusive economic system. Um, so I think if there's there's one thing I've learned in vent- venture world, it's that everything takes about three times longer than you think it will. <laughs> and you just, uh, you know, you, you just have to keep at it and cut through the details. It takes a lot of dedication. You know, I often tell people that, um, in my mind, being entrepreneur looks like when you see a duck on water, the legs are paddling like crazy, but from on top, it looks like it's gliding along just beautifully. But yeah. You have no, no idea how hard that duck is working. So <laughs> I, I totally appreciate that. So you mentioned, you know, um, also, the concept of, I think you said equity for all or opportunity for all. What was the phrase you used? Oh, yeah. Uh, profit for all. So, profit for all. Yeah. Because, you know, often, I mean, the, the legal structures have us divided into for-profit and non-profit. Um, and, and I like to say that Raise Green is set up to, to aim for profit for all. I love that profit for all idea. So, you know, you mentioned some of the learnings. What's maybe an aha or surprise moment besides obviously the three times as long as it should take or does take? Uh, surprise moments uh, come every day. <laughs> um, you know, I, one of the, I mean, I'll, I'll give you some, some well, the, the best surprise we got um, was fairly early on and it actually was one of the most important sort of validating uh, big you know, big wins for us early on is, is that we uh, we co-founded Raise Green while students at uh, the Yale School of the Environment, which at the time was called the uh, School of Forestry and Environmental Studies. And um, we had a very tough professor for our entrepreneurship practicum. And uh, we were selected for uh, a finalist, to be a finalist in the Yale, uh, Startup Yale is a contest, you know, pitch contest. And we ended up pitching that and, um, and winning, uh, a, a nice cash prize. And it was incredibly, uh, a wonderful moment. And the next day I got to come into that class with, with that professor, uh, and say, uh, and, and one of my colleagues congratulated me and she said, Oh, for what? And, and I said, you know, and she said, Oh, they, they won, you know, startup Yale. And my professor just said, Oh, <laughs> uh, so that was a nice surprise, you know, to, to kind of have that, uh, that moment of brief, uh, satisfaction, uh, but, but lots of challenging surprises as well that have, have cropped up along the way. Yeah. Those moments are few and far between. I hope you had the opportunity to enjoy it, at least for a little bit. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so, What's next for Raise Green? Magic Wand, five years from now, what does it look like from a team perspective? Maybe not revenue, but kind of deals you're looking at, et cetera. Yeah, um, we want to, you know, in five years, we want to have uh, empowered local communities to create 
10,000 community climate cooperatives all across the U.S. that are owned and benefiting uh, the citizens that that they serve. Um, so that you know, that's everything from a, a solar project, um, a you know, uh, electric vehicle charging stations, affordable housing, uh, water projects, microgrids, agriculture. Um, all sorts of green infrastructure that we know needs to get built if we're going to uh, move to 100% clean energy and and uh, a climate resilient future. Um, and and you know our our question is who owns that infrastructure? And and in five years, if the answer is you know the same folks that owned owned the oil and gas infrastructure and that you know that are are benefiting from uh, you know traditional finance, then we've missed an opportunity to, to build uh, a, a economic transition that works for everyone. Um, and right now you see, you know, the, the progressive side of politics on the climate front pushing for uh, three main sort of goals around standards, investments, and justice. And uh, we we feel strongly that if you you know if if as I said you know if you miss the opportunity to to have the transition be a just transition um, then then that would be a shame and so that's what we want to to help enable. I so agree with you and I love the idea of climate owned cooperatives. I think you know actions like that partnered with cities can go a long way to address some of these challenges we're facing right now regarding, especially around jobs and equity. So really appreciate you sharing that. So Franz, I'd like to end my show by asking my guests the following question. If you could share some advice or words of wisdom with the audience, what would it be? Uh, yeah. Um, I think it would be that if you, you know, if you believe that uh, something should exist in the world, um, there, there is little reason to uh, prevent you from making that thing happen. Um, all of the stuff that we take for granted nowadays was at some point somebody's uh, harebrained idea. And, you know, they, the <laughs> one good piece of advice I've always received is that, you know, it, it, everyone kind of carries on as if, um, you know, as if they... Um, they know what they're doing, and and ultimately, you know, none of us really know what we're doing. We, but the people that are successful are the ones that just keep doing it. And I feel like, you know, if if you have a conviction for seeing something changed in the world, um, you know, bear that out and and you know, double down on it and and work hard to to try to make that happen. Uh, and that that's, yeah, that's, that's what I would share. Um, and also, you know, check, check out our marketplace, um, and, and see if there's something that, that interests you, whether you want to create a, a local project finance company and, uh, and finance it in an inclusive way or invest in local resilience. Uh, these are, these are things that we're trying to do and, uh, that's a shameless plug. So sorry, Raj. But. No, no problem. I was, I'm going to put a link to your site in the show notes. To echo your advice, I wear a 
set of t-shirts on a regular basis that says impossible comes true because I believe it. I believe the idea of bringing things to life that you think should exist. And to your point, no one really knows what they're doing. And we all <laughs> look like we all look like ducks, but we're all, you know, just paddling away. So I really appreciate that. And I've really enjoyed speaking to you. Is there anything I should have asked you that I did not? Um, I, I think you covered a lot of ground. Uh, but uh, no, I, I I've really enjoyed the chance to speak with you as well. And uh, I'll continue to, to listen to your show. Uh, I think it's, I think you're bringing a lot of important guests on that, that can share lessons much wiser than mine. Uh, but <laughs> uh, it's, it's an honor to have a chance to speak with you. Well, Franz, I really appreciate you and I look forward to watching Raise Green's growth. Well, thank you so much, Raj. I appreciate your time. Thank you for listening. If you like our show, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. And you can show your support by sharing our show with a friend or reach out to us on social media where you'll find us under our Nexus PMG handle. If there's a subject or topic you'd like to hear about, send me an email, btu at nexuspmg.com or contact me via our website, nexuspmg.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for our monthly newsletter where we share what we're reading and thinking about in the clean tech, green tech sectors. Bigger Than Us is a Nexus PMG production.